Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to J.Ill, a production of iHeartRadio. Well, welcome. Hi, everybody. (sighs) I'm taking deep breaths. Sometimes you got to take a deep breath. It's been uh, quite a week, you know, lots of lots of stress and um, having to set people straight here, there and all over the where. I, um, I'm here, fortunately, with my beautiful sister friends, Aja Graydon Danzler. Hello there, darling. Hello, darling. Hello, darling. And the lovely, lovely Laia St. Clair. I am present. Her is present. Yes. Double all the meanings to that. It, it, I'm, initially, we, I was talking about stress, friends, but I, um, I have I've definitely had some moments. And here is one of them. Years ago, I guess it was like 1996 or so. Oh, mm-hmm. that's how long it was. But I, I still feel it in my body. Oh, yep. I still feel it. Apartheid had ended and they were doing the whole uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember sitting there and I was listening to these stories and it was like, you know, I'm I'm very sorry that I, I put your daughter in a tire and I poured gasoline on it and I set it on fire and I rolled it down the street till it hit your house. I'm sorry. I was wrong. And I got about maybe about 35 minutes into this and I felt something. I still feel it. I feel this immense amount of there's no there's no it's only rage it's it's just rage because later here I am I was in South Africa and there were times when you know I wasn't necessarily served immediately although I was there first you know there were times when you know going through the neighborhoods I'm looking at this community of of huts um, I, I, that's the that's the only thing I could think to call it right now. No disrespect, please. And I, I'm hanging out in um, 
I think they call them shanties. Shanties. Thank you. And I'm hanging out and I'm in a bar, a barbecue spot, and I have to go to the bathroom and there's, you know, a hole in the ground and I got to, you know, go to the bathroom in this hole. And I just... And then you you continue on in South Africa and it's like, it's so much wealth. And I know that this, this, this whole country was stolen. Um, and it, it just enraged me that these people, these, these murdering people were forgiven, forgiven, and they were allowed to keep their land. Um, they were allowed to <laughs> keep all all the benefits of being there. Um, they were not put in prison for murdering children and women and people, people, just people, murdering people. And I'm telling you that my blood pressure went so high. I've never had a problem with blood pressure, despite what some people might think, but I've never had problem with blood pressure. But when I'm, I'm telling you that my blood pressure went so high that I could hear a sound because I thought finally, finally, somebody is going to pay for the atrocities done to brown people. Oh, so well, bless your optimism, my love. Just thought, I hoped, I hoped, and I hoped, and it made me sick. Mm-hmm. Today we're talking about rage, mm-hmm. and we have the privilege and the pleasure. Laya or AJ, if you would be so kind to please introduce this beautiful woman, this this bright spirit that we we have the privilege of looking at. You guys don't, but but you must look look and find, look and see. Um, if you will please introduce her. <clears throat> I gotta get myself together. Yeah, y'all, y'all will definitely need to Google at this point of the podcast to get into her to get into her light. But y'all know that I'm not as gifted with the intros as Jill Jill. I, girl, because I have so many thoughts on your on that. I have so many thoughts and I'm going to circle back. But so forgive me if I read, because I just want to make sure that we say the proper things about our current about our guest today. Our guest today is Ruth King. So how she explains it is that rage sits at the crossroads of personal transformation. Those of us seeking more self-awareness will inevitably stumble upon personal rage on the path. And rage is not to be understood as a useless emotion. It's empty of story or knowledge, but it's clarity and untapped fuel. Embraced with compassion, the energy trapped in rage becomes an intimate and empathic teacher offering balance, integrity, and inner peace to your healing journey, relationships, and service. And so Ruth King is the founder of Mindful of Race Institute, LLC, and is a celebrated author, educator, and um, meditation teacher. She is an elder, a heart activist, African-American with Choctaw roots, great grandmother and native Californian. She currently resides on, now, did I read this word right? Unceded territory of the Catawba Indigenous Nations in Charlotte, North Carolina, with her wife, Dr. Barbara Riley. There's so many more things we could tell you about Ruth King, but, you know, I had to read that word for word because y'all needed to understand, like, what power she enters this conversation with. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to J.L. Ruth Kang, baby girl. Yes! Ruth <laughs> Kang! Ruth Kang! <laughs> needed a touch of Buddhism on this. You're beautiful. All of you are beautiful. And, you know, I just... 
it's a lot to be said, right? I mean, um, I so connect uh, in the 75-year-old body with the generational rage inheritance, right, of uh, what our people have lived, what we still carry in our bodies. Uh, so I so, uh, you know, and it's not like it's that far away. Uh, it's, it's not like it's this thing that happened way back then. And so we see, if we look, we see the shape, the skeletal shape of uh, white supremacy that impinges on every aspect of our lives. And of course, I mean, one of the reasons rage is such an important uh, focus is it's, it's so appropriate for us to have the emotion of rage and it's equally important to befriend it, right? So- Get into that, Miss Ruth, please, yeah, why? Mm. Right, so it's like, okay, so this did happen. This shit happened. And the truth of the matter is anything can happen to us at any time. We are, we're vulnerable in that way. Some of us, these black bodies are more vulnerable than most. Um, so we're vulnerable in this flesh, in this body. It, we're, we're vulnerable, we're sensitive, we're nature, right? Uh, we feel like we're artists, we're creators, we give birth, you know, I mean, we're all of that. So it's no way to not be touched by our history and not to inherit what's unfinished. And one of the things I talk about in my work um, after giving, um, offering a celebration of rage retreat for 15 years uh, across the nation, a place where women could come and be in the raw expression of rage without consequence, without judgment, without projection, in ceremony, in vibration, in emotional release, not just for catharsis, but to rest then in the space that gets created from the release of what we've been holding, right? So the I, that's one way of be, thinking about befriending. How do I just climb back and reclaim this body that I've been shocked out of, right? In a way that I then can, can rebirth myself. But we don't get to do it out there. We, we have to reclaim the domain. So these rage retreats were places where we can be in ceremony, we could be in sacred space um, to tell our stories, not just to be heard, but to be, but to release the uh, toxic inflammation that represents in our bodies. Um, we need ceremony for that. We need other bodies for that. Uh, and we need to not be interrupted when that's happening. We need to break some shit, tear up some rooms. This retreat offered all of that, <laughs> a place where you can really, you know, kind of release through these bodies a lot of that trauma. It already happened for the year, Ruth, the retreat? I know. I'm like, where like, has the retreat at? already happened? The, way, <laughs> the retreat happened for years. It was in the Bay Area. Um, I did. in the Bay Area. The Bay yeah. Area vibrates someplace. The mm, Bay Area, mm. yeah, great source of black shit. Mm, oh mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh my gosh. I'm not surprised. I read it a whole barn. It was like a whole barn yard that had all kind of music equipment hooked up and big bass and uh, space to dance. And we worked in blindfolds and we, yes. we, we really, you know, we had altars and we moved around like earthbound. <laughs> More Real Talk after the break. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I hate to even interrupt. Oh my God, Lord, forgive me. I want you to circle back to ceremony. Mm. So this word, um, so I know that like the special being word right now is intentionality. Mm-hmm. But but ceremony, um, like, let's talk about that. Like why the need for ceremony? And I know you did kind of speak to that a little bit in your explanation. But if you could expound on that, like what is the importance of creating that specific space and specific activities around release and rage? Oh, that's good. That's really good. So, so um, ceremony is, you could say that it's sacred community. You know, when we, we could sit in our own room and read a book and get knowledge, but when we're in community, intentional community, where we all know why we're walking through this door, we all know why we're coming. We all share that in common. It may be dressed up differently, but we're all coming for that reason. And the reason for this rage work was to investigate, to re- to release what, what's being held that's killing us, uh, to release it in a sacred place. And we need other bodies to witness that, to nod to that, to affirm that, um, to pray with us with that, to um, to to get that it's older and bigger than us. Uh, to 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 ceremony to me also brings in the elements of working with the earth, planting this shit in the ground, burning up some of the you know using the fire element to burn up some of the stories we carry that are no longer true if they ever were. Uh, and looking at just some of the internalized ways we've believed or drank the Kool-Aid, right? So we need places where we get to aerate that. We put it out. And then by hearing other people's story, it's like, damn, I didn't even know that happened to me. But that you, you, we wake up. We wake up in ceremony Again, if we come in with with intention, I'm coming in here. I'm interested in healing more than I am in being right. Okay, you have to want something more than your story. You have to be willing to look at a bigger story and join a bigger ocean. Like we're all rivers kind of making our way to the ocean. We're joining the ocean. Is this something that's like to like shouting in church or? You know, we talk about community and, you know, different groups of folks, they talk about community or UMA or or the fellowship, Mm -hmm. this kind of idea that this has to happen under an umbrella of something bigger than ourselves. Well, you know, I was raised in the Pentecostal church. My mother sang in the choir. Uh, uh, There's a lot about uh, what I remember about the church was that um, growing up was that the person who got happy and spoke in tongues was not the same person that needed to know what that meant. Oftentimes, the person that spoke in tongues, somebody else in the community knew what that meant. So there was this call and response. You see that also in the Yoruba tradition. When you go to the Bembe's and there's the dancing and drumming and the African Orishas are, are, are making themselves revealed, right? Um, who, whoever is invoked in spirit is not necessarily the one that ha- is bringing the message, but providing a certain energetic release that is recognized within community. 
So I would, I, I guess you could say that when you come into an intentional space, whether it's a church or a bimbe or a rage retreat, you come in with intention, you're coming into holy ground, you're coming into being held and whatever gets released, it doesn't, I mean, everybody's not releasing in the same way, but everybody comes with the intention of letting go. And a lot of people come with the intention of letting go. They may not let go in that space, but they'll let go at some other time, but it doesn't mean it's not being cooked, right? So I I, I think, yeah, there, there's not a program of it. It's like you come in the door and you open up to the sky and you're, you have permission and space to release have that be aerated so that you can then see uh, something bigger than what you, you can just see it for what it is. And usually it's bigger than what, you, what the story you're holding about it. And so you come with a certain curiosity to kind of open to that, not with a hard, I got to know, but I'm willing to surrender and see what this rage is here to try to teach me because there's wisdom in it. It's usually an energy that helped us survive, but it doesn't always help us heal, right? So we have to Ooh, work survive, with but not yeah. necessarily heal. Ooh, yeah. now that baby, mm-hmm. Jill, Mm-mm-mm. Jill, go ahead. You know, you know how that is applicable. Come mm-hmm. on, ma'am. Mm-hmm. It may help you survive, get through it, but not heal, but not heal. And you'd be running around surviving and believing that you have coped, that you have made it. You send messaging around having made it Mm -hmm. when you are simply in survival mode. You have Mm -hmm. not healed and you are teaching other people your raggedy ass survival techniques. And it goes from generation to generation. And then something pops up, baby. And all of the stuff from the other thing that you've been holding on to explodes. The other thing about it is that it's rage is initiatory, but it's not transformative. So it's a kind of energy that lights us up, Mm -hmm. sets us on fire. But it's a comma, not a period. You get, you know, it's not transformative energy. It's. It's um, it's luminous. It it's a lot of truth in it, but it's not the end game. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to just be righteous in it. We have to mm-hmm. listen deeply, and it belongs to us. A lot of times we think it belongs to these folks out here, but it's really trying to whisper in our ear, "Hey, you know, uh, it's a protector in a way. It's a protective energy. It mm-hmm. alerts us to." something some boundary that's being violated or some story that hasn't been cared for well or some ancestor that's trying to tell you to clean this shit up so we don't have to keep carrying it to the next generation right i mean it's akin to how the body responds to everything right so like the body does some wild shit to let you know something's not working something hasn't connected exactly right it puts fluid around a joint bam you know, oh, to try good. to protect. Yeah. I was watching them the other night. I watched it again um, just recently for many reasons. But there there was a point where there was a brother in there and um, he was being antagonized by a, 
his mind, I suppose. That's the best way I could call it. He was being antagonized by his mind, a memory of a thing, not being present, not being able to protect. And he, at some point, this this expression of rage was just super powerful. He was he was saying he was the beast of the field. And it was it was grunting and it was it was spit flying and it was tears and all the things. I think maybe I mean that's one way to express I, I think. Is is that a scary for people? Because it was scary watching. See, that's that's why we need some ceremony. We need some sacred space for that kind of expression. Now, one of the things I think is so important for us, especially as women, to understand around rage is the way we've been conditioned to disguise it. So, so the, our our immediate association with rage is that image, Jill, you just described. You know, a person that's you know on fire what I call the the defiance disguise of rage in my book. But I'm talking about six ways we tend to roll with rage, to be like that all the time, right? Because it is scary to people. So we've learned ways to kind of package that. So it's, it's not helpful always, but it's a cover on top of an emotion that a, we're afraid of, and B, we know it can scare the shit out of other people. Mm. So we keep it under wraps and it takes on other other shapes. So there's these six ways that it shows up. One is, is uh, dominance. We try to control everything so that we're never controlled. So that's one form of a cover-up. I know y'all probably don't know anything about that, but it happens to be my primary disguise. <laughs> if I can just control everything, I'm gonna you know keep this under wraps. Another one is the is the defiance type, which is the seething. I I'm out. I'm in your face. Um, I'm I'm not having it. Kind of outward expression, which is what we usually associate with with rage. But it's it's uh, it, it you know it's one way. And then we have uh, distraction where we're busy all the time, consuming everything in our reach, trying to get get this, that, and the other, filling ourselves up with all kinds of material things to try to feel what feels insatiable, right? This kind of craze and craving uh, that we think can keep us just under wraps with, with rage. And then we have devotion disguise of rage as a person who's helping everybody at the expense of herself um, as a way of keeping everything nice and under wraps. And let me just try to take care of you and never quite taking care of himself. That's another way of kind of bypassing uh, the fuck you kind of way that we really want to bring it, but we can't really feel like we can do it that way. Too much truth, Ruth. Too much truth, Ruth. Slow down. Slow down. Okay. Slow down. That part doesn't make a lot of sense to me because mm. if you, you know, if you're if you're trying to help somebody but you're not in a good way, like I, I guess that would have to be someone that's not really self-aware. Because I will go somewhere else. I will go somewhere and get quiet on you real quick. I need help. I need to. I need to gather myself. Because I cannot imagine trying to help when I'm not okay. There's two more. There is the um, depression disguise, which is someone Ooh. that shuts down. 
uh, to kind of like a teapot that's steeping. You kind of keep the top on, keep the lid on. It's a heavy lid, uh, but you walk around with this kind of weight that's suppressing not just rage, but a lot of other emotions. And then there is the dependence disguise, the person who is um, never quite able to um, be um, of her own voice because her dependent, her survival is dependent upon other people to take care of her. So she's compromised in what she says and how she rolls because of this kind of dynamic. Ooh. I'm saying these quickly, but in there, the book totally centers around these six disguises, their wow. shadows and their wisdom because they all have wisdom. So many of our baby boomer moms were experiencing what? All of them? <laughs> hmm. I think you might identify with one or two and because they all have shadows, it'll look like you're identifying with all of them, but you're not. It's usually we roll with one or two okay, uh, as our lead. And then we attract our opposites. Like the yeah. um, dominance disguise is going to attract the dependence disguise because they kind of mirror what the others need. The distraction is going to attract Mary, have kids and pets that are... <laughs> The depression disguise because the hyperactivity of a well of a distraction disguise moving all the time. Their biggest fear is a depression disguise that's kind of mm. collapsed and pulled in. But they end up attracting each other and then being at war with each other until they befriend each other and then the wisdom's able to shine through. So there's kind of a typology in this that's a lot of fun to understand and when we kind of take it to the level of typology it's not personal these yeah. disguises because we're all conditioned around it to as a uh -huh. defense mechanism mm. so we have a right to defend ourselves until we know better you know we have another way y'all be kind to each other this is all i'm going to say be kind be kind yeah. be kind be kind <laughs> dr kang is trying to help y'all understand that we are all carrying this shit around. Ooh, be kind. The name of Dr. Ruth King. I'm a doctor, yes? No, I'm not a doctor. No? I'm a doctor. Well she is a doctor. Yeah, she, is, she, is healing, <laughs> she is healing the people today. Yeah. Dr. King. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And there you are anointed. And if somebody if somebody want to fight me on this shit, fight me. <laughs> fight me on it. Use your I'll, I'll join you on it now, Agent. I bet hey, see me in the street. See me in the street. Got a place right there in the back alley. We could just go right there. I've been there many times. <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. 
with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the name of Dr. Ruth King's book, the book is Healing Rage, Women Making Inner Peace Possible. Inner peace, man. Woo! Inner peace, woman. That thing, it, it just sounds good. It's got a good vibration on it. Inner peace. Like an easy thing, but it do sound good. It does. It feels good. It sounds good. Ain't nobody said it was easy. Yeah, it just sounds like hard. It's just- it seems like a lot of self-reflection and a lot of open opening the zipper and letting your whole self come on out and dealing with things bit by bit. Am I am I am I talking about the same thing? <laughs> is is this, is this like when you when you go? Um, is there? It's like a is this like a prayer? I mean, you, it's all the things, huh? You said it's dancing. It's like a prayer circle. Um, are women also or telling their stories? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And and we're also interrupting some of the habitual ways, you know, all of the all of the automatic assumptions and automatic things that come out of our mouths. 
Like I remember growing up when um, my mother used to say, you better shut your mouth, you know, get in that corner and shut your mouth, right? And now I find myself telling my grand and great grandkids, you better get in that corner and take a breath. You know, <laughs> you, know you don't have to shut your mouth, but you can't take a deep breath and talk at the same time. So <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, but it's giving more permission to just, hey, come on back home, come on back here, right? That's a beautiful evolution that a lot of your peers have not evolved to. Mm. So how on the daily, just how do you deal with that? And having all this knowledge, knowing about rage, and it's interesting, even what Asia said, you know, be kind to each other. I feel like the folks who are conscious of all these things that you're telling us, yes, we will be kind to each other, but there's a whole population out there of people who are not conscious of all the rage and the meanings and black people and black women and rage. So, and on the daily, when you go outside, yeah. What are some yeah. easy, I don't even want to say easy. What, how do you cope? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it takes a minute, right? I mean, I don't think this is like a quick fix. You have to want it bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to want peace bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so what, what gets you to that? You know, like, um, it's hard to talk to people that are in a perpetual states of crises to sit down and take a breath. But you almost need to to be in that habit where you discover that stillness and silence is one of the best medicines you can give yourself. And in fact, you're the only one that can give that to yourself. And, and, And it almost feels like an impossible consideration when life is so fast paced and um, so challenging because of feel like you don't deserve it because you don't life feel like is. You, yes. So you have to want it bad, right? You have to you have to want it. So I in, in, when I was 27, I had open heart surgery. It was a mitral valve prolapse. I you know I had a baby when I was 15. I was a single mom, and I we kind of grew up together, and I just made tons of mistakes in that journey. And um, as you continue to grow, if you're looking at your children and you care, you know, you have you can you have a minute to kind of step out of the craziness and see your impact, then that's a beautiful thing. I mean, that gives you often a reason to want to maybe kind of try some things on differently. But the heart surgery, uh, what I realized in the recovery of it where I couldn't be in that fast paced dominant disguise and distraction disguise of filling myself up with so much activity that I didn't feel my life. Because I was in recovery and I hear a lot of people talking about this today who are going through recovery with COVID where they've been forced to stop, right? Mm-hmm. When you're forced to stop, you're kind of left with yourself. And if you're listening, if you have uh, and oftentimes we're invoked into listening and kind of um, surrendering into our physicalities more. We start to feel the life we've been living, if not running from, right? And when we start to do that, we start to feel the achiness and soreness. This is why most people just prefer to keep running from it, of the life we've been living, because it really requires 
we want to heal, that we make some different choices. Mm -hmm. um, and the first choice I think we need to make is to pause, is to pause mm -hmm. and to turn our intention inward and drop it down and to take a few breaths just to give ourselves a break and to question, right? I mean, I think we have a lot of questions that we need to ask ourselves, like, is what I'm doing right now, is how I'm thinking right now, um, contributing to more distress or a release from distress? Mm. You know, given my thoughts right now uh, and what I'm heated up about, uh, what am I giving birth to? Because we're always giving birth to something through our actions, through our attitudes. You know, is there a way in this moment that I can comfort myself? Um, uh, something I can do for myself that's not dependent upon it coming from the outside. Can I hug myself? Can I soften mm. the insides of my hands? Can I feel my feet touching the earth? Can I travel with the exhale of my breath just so I can rest just a little right here and now? Little mm. things like that, I think we're invited to gentle ourselves into wholeness, into our own sense of health. Uh, but we have to want it, right? I don't know about everybody that's listening to Jay Dadell the podcast right now. I don't I don't know, you know where you are. I don't I don't know what you're thinking. And this might sound like, oh, that's that uh hotep shit <laughs> you know what I mean not to be wrong <laughs> like, you know yeah, call it, me teppy tap call me teppy tap okay <laughs> um what I'm gathering about all of, of what you said Dr. Kang is that is that peace cost it costs you have to pay for it that doesn't mean you know financially it means that you have to give up something to get something is that right or am i reaching invest in it you gotta invest in it invest in it you say say more about why you think it might be giving up something or you have to give up something say more well i say that our ugliness is one of our favorite habits because if it wasn't, why would we be so ugly on a regular basis? You know, I mean, as humanity, I'm just speaking out about all of us. And that means that you have to give up the thing that you may enjoy the most. Maybe maybe the, the pain or frustration or rage, if you will, um, shows up in alcoholism. Maybe it shows up in, um, you know, promiscuity, if you will. I don't like that word. I don't like that word. <laughs> but, you know, maybe it shows up in in the, the mates that you choose, um, what you what you do with your time. You mm -hmm. might really enjoy, you know, getting getting lit on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But but you got to give that up, okay. you know, or you yeah. have to address it differently. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I asked you more of what you meant, because I do think in that sense, you have uh, the way I would say it is you have to want something more than your habit, whatever that habit might be. 
you have to, um, yeah, yeah. I, so I guess you could say you have to give something up. Uh, but a lot of people don't respond well to, I got to give something up. But if I could take it to the level of you have to want something more. You have to want something more than what you got in order, you know, then maybe you'll consider that in order to have that, something has to shift. So um, I, I have an aunt who I, she and I will talk for hours about all kinds of different things. And I remember a while ago, and this kind of stayed with me for a very long time, where she told me about, um, you know, we, I would talk about my interactions with people, maybe my mate, maybe friends, maybe my, my children, whomever. And she was like, you know, you're kind of responsible for the place where you are at age of like, you know, if you have enlightened yourself to a certain level, you have to respond according to what you know. So if you know a thing and you know, maybe the person you're upset with doesn't know that thing, you can then revert to respond to them the way that, you know, where they are at. You have to respond according to what you know. So if you know how to handle it in a certain kind of way, if your response is in a space, you ha you're you're responsible to, to respond in that way. Now, I want to put a pin in that because my real question is, <laughs> my real question is. Listen, you're not talking to your aunt right now, right? <laughs> I know, right? My real question is that. Okay, so you do that for so many years, you feel like, okay, I can access a certain calm, I can access a certain kind of knowledge when I go out into the world. But there's a, I've had times where I've like envied people who can just be mad, mm -hmm. who can just mm -hmm. can have a grown up ass tantrum, excuse my language, I'm sorry, I really, because I have a potty mouth, who, who can just who have. Who already said some things, you know, she said some things. I know, I done, I done cussed it, 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 First of all, I love a potty mouth black woman. I just yeah. need to understand. That is the thing in my heart. That is, but my thing is that, you know, sometimes I, I just want to be able to have that release. Like, it's like, and then there are times when I know part of my language, I'm owed that. And, I, and I'm so used to subduing it. Out of like responsibility, uh, like out of a certain emotional responsibility uh -huh. that I can't even access the rage that I want to, to have that release. And sometimes that can be a really difficult thing for me. And and a lot of times it comes out as, oh, girl, you got more patience than me. Mm -hmm. Oh, girl, you're so nice. I wish I was like you. Uh -huh. And I literally on yeah. the inside am like losing my shit. Losing my shit. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been called a pussy because of that. Baby. Mm. I prefer kindness. Mm. I choose it. I do the best I can wherever I can. Cause years ago, my mother married a man, and the man wasn't a nice man. And he was he was physically abusive. And I acted out as a little person. So up until about maybe 12 I caused harm like I didn't fight I maimed and I one day I realized if I didn't catch this I was going to go to jail <laughs> and that made me decide that I was going to do the best I can to do anything I can not to physically harm anybody because it was pretty bad, I will say. So I, I 
I do believe in going outside and putting my feet in the grass and screaming loud. I do have like, a mountain. Y'all are opposites in this moment. And this I is go ahead and I shoot my gun. Mm-hmm. In this moment, as as Asia just said what she said, you say you say what? I'm, you say you go ahead. You go. You're because you said quiet over here, gal. You quiet over here, gal. No, I just I was just I was listening to the both of them, and I was listening to how Asia is basically saying that she suppresses, and it mm-hmm. comes out to others as her being soft. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening to Jill say that she must suppress, or else she will fucking kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's what I heard. But Ruth, what is your interpretation? Um, well, you know, yes and yes. Here's the thing. I mean, rage is a legitimate emotion. The energy of it. Um, the stories that run in our minds that it stimulates and circulates around. The truth of it, you know. Um, and then we're left with then what do we do next? What do we do next? And I think what we do next becomes a, a kind of dance. It's a, co- a cosmic dance because we are relational in all of our outputting um, and thoughts. So it's what we do next. So if you have Aja, you're saying one thing and feeling another, this boiling that can happen inside is 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 for you to attend to. You know, maybe maybe the response is right. Jill, if you're like choosing to be nice, but it still feels like it's cooking on the inside, right? There's so there's still rage happening. I think nice and kind are two different things. Okay, so being kind and nice, how are you seeing it different? I just want to be clear. Nice is like polite. Um, you don't actually have to feel that way. You could just be like, hello, good morning. How are you today? You don't mean it. You're not really asking, but you're being nice. And then kind um, is is a lot more genuine. I got to deep dig down in there and find, uh, find where sometimes it's deep, sometimes it's right at the surface, but I, I look for it. Like, what is the thing that's going to keep me out of jail? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> out of jail. Okay, so I can if you're looking at it, what you gonna do when the they brick. abolish the prisons, girl? When they take them away, what we doing? How? What's the motivation gonna be? I don't know. I'll find another one because I don't mm-hmm. like that. I don't. I don't particularly like that girl. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly yeah. care for her because the the way she responded, and I'm saying it like it's not not me, but okay. The way I responded as a child was not to me. It, it equates. I wasn't going to live very long. Yeah. And you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was all kinds of stuff. Violent. That I. Yeah. I, it's. It's. So you're choosing kindness, uh, and the motivation behind it is to keep your ass out of jail. So yeah. I'm listening to that piece. Yeah. Um, the motivation around my kindness these days is. Because I feel better. It does feel good. When I make that choice. That's a different aspiration. (laughs) That's a different energy behind it. It's because I'm not imprisoned with how I'm holding and being with what's happening right now. It's still screwed Mm. up, mind you. Mm -hmm. I still think you're a, you know, you're not somebody I want to be sitting on the front row of my life. Mm -hmm. Right. 
I still have a few things I'm going to get around to saying to you, but right now I'm choosing to, to stop prisoning myself with how I'm holding this energy. So in those situations, I might just be sitting there breathing for a minute and reminding myself of my intention. So if the intention is I ain't going to jail, if I say that, I won't go to jail. Or there could be that spin on it where, you know, there's a certain kind of uh, distant politeness that's happening because that person has the permission to go off, but I know I can't do that or it's probably mm -hmm. best that I don't, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think in those moments, and maybe not at that time, but at a deeper time or a time when you can get yourself still and ask a deeper question, like, you know, how do I want to be moving in the world, period? And, and what does, you know, what does kind of, I remember being dead right, OK, I was righteous. <laughs> I was so righteous about how I felt, whether I said it or not. People could read me like a book because I was saying so much in my silence. Mm. You know, you know how we can be with that mm -hmm. look. Right? Yes. You yes. Know, so it, I was rolling like that. But I had open heart surgery. OK, I'm telling you these kind of cooked ways that we're holding it. If the intention is not clean and blessed. Is killing us. Ooh, <laughs> That's yes. what I get more worried about how that cooking and the rage that that's not being like transmuted. Express. I, that's what I'm worried about, too. When Asia was talking about keeping that in, I kept thinking to myself, too, like there are so many people out here that don't feel like they have the permission to go off. So it's a continued suppression. Mm -hmm. Like you can do that. I can't. That's not something that I'm allowed to do because or else if I do it, oh, I'm crazy. I'm this. It's going to be a whole bunch of other repercussions, mm -hmm. but you're allowed mm -hmm. to. So I'm just going. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're also using that language about death, having others doing this this harm to you that will that your body will respond to. And we we're just talking about it before you came on Whoa. about saying to people, you're not going to kill me. Uh -huh. But what I'm getting from what you're saying is that it's like, well, yeah, I got to be having that conversation with myself, too. That's right. right. I will uh -huh. not I will not do the harm to myself. So that I'm means that yell when this... you feel like yelling, I'm, right, Aja? That means yell when you feel like, don't always suppress that then. That's what that means, right? I ain't going to lie to you. I'm going to be transparent right now. I'm really, I'm really going through a period of my life where I, my, my filter is leaving me and I see it come out in certain kinds of ways. And I had been really like, I had been expressing to my children about it, like talking to them about it so that they don't take it personally. But it comes out. It's like, I just tell them all the time, like, okay, listen, I know that maybe you're not used to hearing me talk like that or this, that, and the other, but it's like right now, my ability to hold it, it's not the same. And though you may have not known, you don't, you didn't know me my whole life. You know me your whole life. And then only half of that time have you been aware enough to know me as a person. So like, this right now, you got to understand mom is a human and I'm going through a change in the way that I relate to the world outside of myself. Mm -hmm. And it literally just happened earlier today. Like I talk, I just talk and my older kids are like blown. I think what could be important when I think back of growing up and, and the, the lack of filters that I felt was in my family system what could make a difference is balancing that when you come out of periods like that, that you 
flood that system with love. And mm-hmm. you talk about what you learned from, you know, one of the things, you know, like I, I talk to my grandkids now about what I'm learning about myself when I find myself in periods like that, because they're going through really challenging times in their lives. And so I find myself telling stories about when I was in times like that, this is what I learned. This is what I figured out when I was in that space. Um, this is what I'm discovering about myself. And, and, and I think that along with the freedom to just say whatever you're saying helps the kids understand the fullness, not just the explosion. Right. <laughs> Right. It's not always like an explosion. Sometimes it's just an honesty. It's just a or a, the way that I choose my language. Where and yeah, very frank. But yeah, I, I, balance. So I'm getting balance, but I'm also curious. And I know we talked about this from a very kind of personal woman to woman space. But so much of your work is helping us to understand this as in relationship to being black, and I really want to talk about that. Because this, um, the way that we read our behaviors, and so like, I'll go back to what you talked about earlier about these six different ways, right? We read these behaviors of Black people as a whole and all of these kind of trauma responses or these six different ways. I can even look into us as a community and see those ways. And I'm trying to help in my mind, I'm trying to make a connection here around that, around the kind of empathy that we can look at each other with and our own kind of responses to rage so that we're not participating in a harmful conversation Mm -hmm. about how those things are viewed. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So anyway, I would love love to kind of talk about that. Yeah, it's not an immediate solution to the way we roll with our projections on each other Uh, because we're conditioned to, uh, we're already dealing with internalized oppression around issues often around esteem or, you know, how much space we feel like we can occupy, um, different levels of people feeling they have permission to come out without apology and other people, you know, I mean, so so there, this is complex to say, to say the least. But I think when we understand, we get a system in our own heads around how we're seeing and perceiving things. We're able to talk to other people about that, right? So I like having systems of meaning in my heart and mind so that I can make sense and kind of, uh, I don't wanna say analyze, but I can kind of interpret what's happening in a loving way. A big part of what you're saying has to do with, is there a way for me to be with those I love, those in my community, people in in our tribe, and remove the judgment from it. Can Mm, I exchange judgment for compassion? Yes. Can I see myself in everybody I look at? Can Mm. I see a little bit of myself there? Because you know we can. Yes. And that begins to develop and ripen a certain kind of empathy and intimacy with the craziness we might see or this struggle that we might see over here or this addiction we might see there. I mean, we've all been addicted to something, right? Mm -hmm. If we could train the heart and mind to be in relationship to our perceptions in that way, right? Mm -hmm. To where we put in the forefront, as you're saying, Jill, 
kindness. I'm choosing kindness. You know, I'm choosing to 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 see through the lens of kindness, even the ugliness. I can still filter it through this kind of light, um, this 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 way of of holding people. Um, even I mean, I see a lot of craziness in my own family. Don't even get me started. On, <laughs> it's just a lot. Uh, it is, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to. I what I try to do. I had a sister who passed away a few years ago of pancreatic cancer. It came and it hit her quick, and she left quick. But she really was difficult, and and hadn't talked, spoken to me in many years. And I um, did a lot of trying to connect with her. I knew she was ill. I wanted to be there. I wanted to kind of be with her. She wouldn't have it. She wouldn't answer the phone. And she died, you know, she wasn't trying to see me. You know, she died without, I I felt a bit unfinished with her personally, but I didn't feel unfinished in my own heart because I I understood. She just could not get over the, the rage of, how she dealt, not just with me, but with a lot of people. But what happened, and this is a promise I have for for us always, is that when I went to the gathering for her and our family, she, um, it was her kids that centered around me, right? It was them that I had a chance to hold in my arms and comfort and tell them how precious they were because they hadn't heard that from their mom, right? It was them that I had a chance to love up without a lot of words, but just to be there for them. And through my own example, right, through my own example, was able to show them an alternative, somebody that could roll a bit more with their heart. So I think we need these examples, um, you know, these kind of pillars, and they're there in our communities. Uh, We need to put them on the big lights and tell their stories more often when we're putting our kids to bed or sitting around the kitchen table, you know. Tell those stories, tell those stories of strength and tenderness um, to, to, you know, we need that language back. We need our stories back. We need to remember uh, what we, who we are and how we are. We need to bring in the poets and the, you know, the, the, the artist. More conversation after the break. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) 
What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a dumb question. I'm assuming our hearts have all been broken by our people, right? In some form or fashion, like just a little crack. We always come back. It's never total broke. But like in that frame of mind, like in a more general, because that's where I am in my head right now. I have some heartbroken things generally about the interactions of Black men and women and um, some of the history behind it. How do you, how about that aspect of things when you're dealing with your own your folks and it's on that level because you are so aware so i know at, at any given time you no. could be angry and if you wanted yeah, to don't, don't yeah don't put me up there on a pedestal because i feel like my heart breaks just like yours mm-hmm. um i just think maybe because of my practices or maybe my age uh <laughs> or because i'm devoted to not suffering that I'm able to kind of regroup and get myself back up again. That's it, Ruth. That's but what it. I, what I, um, like, I just had a really challenging time. I just had a great granddaughter, the second one. And, um, you know, it's, she's coming into a situation that's really challenging. And they live in California. I'm in North Carolina. I went out this weekend and planted a Japanese maple tree. dedicated to her and that's where I'm going to be putting my prayers and the earth around this tree it could be a potted plant in your room (laughs) you know but it's kind of a way that I'm just offering it up because I can't 
fix it, right? There's things we just can't fix, but we, we can't turn away either, right? I'm not, my heart's not closed. And if it's open, I'm going to feel all of life. So that's the deal you make. You go, okay, I'm, I'm here. It is. Can you sit? And this is the, this is why meditation just comes in so sweetly. Say it again, Ruth. Say it again, Ruth. <laughs> you know, the meditation just allows me over time, intravenously, little drops at a time, allows me to just sit with this craziness without going crazy more and more. <laughs> okay. You talk in parables. You talk in parables. And it is like, that's my favorite kind of talk, baby. Oh, baby, baby, baby. talk to me. You do it so, I mean, you do it really so effortlessly. And Mm. mm, it's about, it's about practice. And honestly, like, you know, I, you know, in my Alan Iverson voice, it's like, this about practice. It is. Yes, practice. But here's here's another thing I just want to drop in this, because this this is far from hopeless, right? Okay. I know Uh it feels like Mm. you got to be the one practicing. But if there's enough of us practicing, that's potent. You know, we're we're connected. You know, everybody don't need to sit and practice. Some of us can't do that. But if there's enough of us practicing, that's rich. That's composted suffering into into soil that's so sweet for our vegetable garden, you know. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. so, so if you're sitting in and ten of us are sitting, or a few of us are sitting yes. and sending those prayers and offering up that light, yes, it's happening. And this is so beautifully anti-capitalistic. It's so anti <laughs> all of this shit. No, seriously, because it's like everything is so individualized. And I you know. have said so many times in this conversation and and, and circled back to community and circled yeah. back into yeah. the importance of a gathering, mm-hmm. of a gathering of minds, a gathering of practices. Ooh, Angie, is- you just sum it up. Sum it up here. This Ooh. is good. I love it. That's right. I love it. She can put it See how she's putting her arms around all of this? That is like, you have pulled this thing into, you continue to say this thing. And and it's like, it is on some level a thing that we have a hard time wrapping our minds around. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I read mm -hmm. this, and I'm not going to get super deep into this, but I read this this study a couple of days ago about just like the the lie of meristocracy and how like that kind of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps and if you work real hard you're going to get what you what you work for and now black people you know buying into this da 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 yada mm-hmm. and um and what i walked away from it was that this this sense of um like the collective power that we have in our minds and what we will accept and not accept is directly going to be associated with our physical health Mm -hmm. and with the future, the future that our children feel comfortable enough with demanding for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so if we are not in our minds understanding this, if we're not taking a step back from this kind of individual way of thinking and this individual input outcome thing Mm -hmm. that this is not African, it is not good for us, it is detrimental to us as a community, politically, socially, but more importantly, physiologically, like Mm -hmm. 
it is going to be to our detriment for many, many more generations. And you saying this to me is so in line with what I needed to hear and validating Mm -hmm. something that I literally just read that I am understanding fully that it was meant for us to have this conversation. And I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. And I want to shout out Amber, our producer, because she needs to be acknowledged in her bringing of you into our space. <laughs> Indeed. She Indeed. needs to be acknowledged in this moment. I agree. I agree. You know, she is the youngest of us. And yet, um, you know, we have this thing with age, but she's the youngest of us and, and exceptionally wise. She mm. educates us every time we have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, this is the conversation we needed today for a lot of reasons. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. So many reasons. Well, Thank I just you. want you to know that it's it's happening. We, it, you know, this it it feels like it's, you know, our healing is, you know, sometimes it can feel like we're starting all over again every day, mm-hmm. but it's it's just not true. It's real, but it's not true. <laughs> um, you know, we are uh, definitely uh, have much to uh, celebrate in terms of our resilience and our um, uh, artistry and um, just the way our hearts just continue to shine. And it's important to remember that what's unfinished is reborn. And at some point, we 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 really do want to be con- that kind of generational legacy and seed planting is a big part of of um, what we need to remember that we're doing all the time, whether we're conscious of it or not, whatever we put out there gets seeded and it'll bloom. So becoming more and more sensitive to that is an important piece. And the, that's um, why the rage retreat is returning when Ruth? I don't know. I kind of, you yeah. know, this, uh, this old body, I have to, I have to. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, so what you're saying is that when we get to come to the training around how we can then bring that to where okay, we are there you go, there you and go. carry on your legacy. <laughs> Love that. I do have a free webinar that I'm offering uh, around. Uh, let's talk about race, um, how to work with our emotional distress. So that's a free offering that that's going on right now. A training half an hour training for anybody that would like to begin to work with how the nervous system and the brain and the body is doing this dance uh, and how to detangle. So that I would hope that serves. I'm so happy. And then she ends it with I hope that serves. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you guys are the best. Oh, the best. And this is where oh. I start crying. Oh, is it? Okay, good. And Man. this is where it begins. This is where I start crying. Because mm. I'm even going to lie to you, like, you're giving my mother this entire time. So anybody who lying, like, you know my mom, like, mm. your face and smile mm. is, like, fully giving <laughs> Susan, and it is, like, wilding me the hell out. But... <laughs> Ooh, baby. You set a lot of people at your feet today. Oh, I want them right here in my heart. Yeah. Thank you. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Mm. Taking a moment to just massage my heart space after that release of an episode 
Y'all, I am fangirling so hard. I have been following Ruth King for over a decade, and having her on the show is literally just a dream realized. I hope that you are all feeling a little freer and giving yourself more grace and more space to process. Whatever we go through, we're just not alone, you know? Ruth is leaving us with so many juicy goodies to continue our healing work. First up is a free webinar. Let's talk about race and what to do with emotional distress. She also has a self-study course called Healing Rage, guidance that educates the heart and transforms the mind. I'll drop a link to both of these as well of all of Ruth's publications in the show notes. Happy, messy, beautiful healing. Love you. Hi, if you have comments on something we said in this episode, call 866-HEY-JILL. If you want to add to this conversation, that's 866-439-5455. Don't forget to tell us your name and the episode you're referring to. You might just hear your message on a future episode. Thank you for listening to Jill Scott Presents J.Ill, the podcast. J.Ill is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.